Kurt Schroeder is the executive director of the Pennsylvania Coalition for Civil Justice Reform. After serving 17 years in the Pennsylvania legislature fighting battles against the trial lawyers, Kurt is continuing the effort to make Pennsylvania's business climate more hospitable. I hope you enjoy our conversation. Welcome to Brews and Views. I'm Matt Briette, president of Commonwealth Partners Chamber of Entrepreneurs. Uh, my guest today is Kurt Schroeder. He is the executive director of the Pennsylvania Coalition for Civil Justice Reform. Uh, Kurt, welcome to Brews and Views. Hey, Matt. Great to be with you. Thank it, you. It's great to be with you, and it's been a while since we've sat down it and has. talked. And uh, yeah. of course, we've known each other for many, many years. Many years go from, back a long way. That's right. From your time in the legislature and before. Uh, before we get into some of the issues, I do want to talk about that. Uh, you, you're a Philadelphia area attorney. Uh, you were in private practice, I believe, uh, before you came into uh, the legislature. But give us a little bit of your background, and then we'll get into the issues that you're passionate about today. Yeah, that's that's uh, that's fine. I was um, I went, went to law school down at Widener School of Law, the Delaware campus, uh, back when they only had the one campus okay. before Harrisburg. And clerked for a law firm during the day. I, I went to law school at night, so it was a four-year program. I worked all day, you know, um, went to law school at night, you know, ran back and forth from Philly to, to Wilmington, uh, back home to Downingtown, and did it all over again <laughs> the next day. So uh, I worked uh, for a law firm that did civil defense work. Um, in Philadelphia, I, uh, w you know, received an offer from them when I graduated and went to work for them for a couple of years. And, well, I'll tell you, it was, it was a great learning experience uh -huh. seeing the Philadelphia court system up close firsthand and seeing some of the, the tricks, I guess, some of the, uh, underhanded things that, that go on. It left a lasting impression on me. And really did shape uh, my views, frankly, that I still have today about uh, the civil justice system, about lawsuit abuse, and really had a big impact on me while I was in, in the legislature and the different things I, I worked on. I mean, well, well, so, but before you got into the legislature, so you're, you're seeing this as an attorney, mm -hmm. uh, what was it that uh, caused you to say, you know what, I'm going to run for office, and then I'm going to work on those issues from the legislative side? Well, truth, you know, truth be known, I was always interested in public policy, uh -huh. public affairs, government, politics. I mean, I, you know, I remember watching uh, conventions in 1972 when I, when I was, you know, preteen, I think. Mm -hmm. So I, I was always very interested uh, in that. And boy, one of the one of the things that that we did at the law firm, uh, there was one morning each week when uh, those that did workers' compensation work, when the surveillance videos would uh, come back in, and we would po they would pop the cassette at the time <laughs> uh -huh. into the into the uh, the player, 
And we'd sit back in the conference room and watch this video. And you would see someone who was supposedly 100% disabled, not able to do anything, lifting a, re a refrigerator into the back of a truck. <laughs> so, like I said, th those kind of things uh, stick with you. Now, that's not to suggest that everyone right, who's right. on workers' compensation is gaming the system. No, absolutely not. But there is that element. Mm -hmm. And there are those attorneys who will uh, foster that and will not only put up with that, but actively encourage it, I mm. believe. So, as I said, those type of things left a lasting impression about the state of our civil justice system uh, in Pennsylvania, in Philadelphia in particular, and we can talk about Philadelphia yeah, more a little later on here, but in, in, in our nation as a whole. So, I became, like I said, I was always interested in politics and government, and after initially graduating from college, I just started to volunteer uh, on some uh, political campaigns uh, back home in Chester County, and, you know, through that, you get to know more people, more and more and more, and you, mm -hmm. you make yourself uh, known, you network, you do all those things, like kind of like in business, you know, to, to get business, you have to network, you have to visit people, you have to talk to people, and... Eventually, I, I was just in a, in a good position uh, when the vacancy uh, occurred for the 155th Legislative District, which was uh, central and northern Chester County. I was in a good position to throw my hat into the ring uh, for that, and, and, so, and so I did. Mm -hmm. And, you know, fortunately I did. I uh, had a, survived a, th a three-way primary, uh, you know, was the top vote-getter in that. And you know, coasted on to a win in November. When, in the when that was election. yeah, that was when uh, Chester was pretty uh, Boy, dark I'll red, you, huh? I'll tell you, yeah. <laughs> it, the it is uh, it saddens me at least uh, what has happened over the past I'd say ten years or so, mm -hmm. and um, there are you know some losses that I think are retrievable and you know might be able to get back, but. There's no doubt that the demographics of the county have changed and changed a lot. Unfortunately, people moving out from uh, parts of the parts of uh, Pennsylvania uh, that they were trying to get away from and come out and enjoy the, the advantages yeah. of Chester County yeah. uh, tend to bring their politics <laughs> with them and not realize that, well, it's those kind of politics that cause the problems they're moving yeah. away from. So we have a lot of that happening well, yeah, and, and your, your, uh, your successor, uh, Becky Corbin, yes. uh, served for a number of years, and then it was the blue wave yep. of 2018 uh, that took her and, and many and others. A whole host of others. Yes. Right, yeah. right. So I mean, that's, that, that's correct, yeah. Well, so that, uh, that's a whole other topic. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, indeed, but, uh, indeed. So after you served in uh, the House for, uh, what, 17 years, I believe? Right, yeah, uh, roughly yeah. 17 okay. years. Mm -hmm. um, you uh, went back uh, into the private sector. I did. Uh, and then a number of years ago, uh, you became the executive director of the Pennsylvania uh, Coalition for Civil Justice Reform. Um, why did that come about? What, what was the need that you saw? And maybe you can touch on the, the issues that you tackled uh, in the legislature. And uh, then tell us about the, the, the problem uh, and why we need civil justice reform here in Pennsylvania. Sure. Why, the way the organization, the Pennsylvania Coalition for Civil Justice Reform, came about is there were a group of um, uh, leaders in Harrisburg, um, in the state capital area 
uh, representing business and healthcare and and different um, different uh, points of view and interests that came together and said, "Look, we need an organization that is going to be a counterbalance to the trial lawyer association, what mm-hmm. used to be known as the Pennsylvania Trial Lawyers. Now they." Uh, dress themselves up as They're the Pennsylvania Association love, yes. for Justice, uh, highfalutin, highfalutin sounding, yes. uh, still the same old... Uh, uh, Good Orwellian speak, right? Right, so, exactly. Yeah. They're still selling the same old thing. <laughs> and what had, you know, what had happened in Pennsylvania over the years uh, is that every time there would be a successful reform on the civil justice front, and really the last one being uh, the Fair Share Act back during uh, Governor Corbett's years when the joint and several liability uh, provisions were replaced in law uh, to eliminate going you know, going after only the deep pockets. Yeah, I know you were a leader on that, that that was your baby that you got across the goal line. Yeah, it, Speaker Terzai yeah, and I, yeah. uh, you know, shepherded and, and led led the uh, fight on that bill in it, the House. Explain what that uh, problem that solved, because some of our listeners may not understand joint right. and several liability, but what was the problem that existed and how did you fix it? Well, previously under Pennsylvania law, if you were, say, found by a jury to be 20% at fault, and let's say the other party was 80% at fault, but if the other party was uh, didn't have sufficient finances, uh, you know, was bank, you know, bankrupt or otherwise couldn't pay the judgment, you, the party that was only 20% at fault, would be pegged with paying 100% of the damages, even though you had, you know, really just a a fraction of the responsibility uh, uh, for it. So the trial lawyer is always going to look for the deep pocket for the to, deep to pocket. say, hey, even if we could get them at 1% that's at right. fault, uh, we could somehow figure out and extract 100% of uh, and that's, whatever. And that's exactly what okay. happened uh, in Pennsylvania law. Up until uh, it was it was changed, uh, you know, through our, through our efforts in the legislature, and Governor Corbett uh, signing uh, the bill. Uh, the same bill was passed <laughs> twice before, and uh, one time it was uh, thrown out uh, by the courts due to a procedural. Uh, this was under Governor Rendell, Democrat. Recognized that, that's right. this was a real problem that even Democrats agreed we needed to fix. That's right. So it was thrown out based upon a, a procedural defect in the way it was passed by the courts. And Governor Rendell ran for uh, governor and said, send that bill, send the uh, Fair Share Act, the reforms, joint and several liability, send it to my desk and I'll sign it. He said that during uh-huh. during his campaign. Right. Well, we sent the same bill to his desk, and he vetoed, vetoed it. it. <laughs> so, yeah, you know, it is what it is. Somebody got to him on the way. I uh, guess. To, uh, to I his guess desk. so. <laughs> uh, so finally, when Governor Corbett was governor, we had a governor who was uh, who you know saw the light on this and realized the fundamental unfairness. Uh, that you know was inherent in this in the system of civil justice, and fortunately he signed uh, the Fair Share Act, and now, uh, as, instead of someone being you know 100 percent responsible per, for paying a verdict when they were only 10, 20 percent at fault, now that individual or company or whoever the defendant is would only pay 
their percentage of liability. So if they're ten percent yeah. at fault, they would pay ten percent of the of the verdict. Twenty percent, they pay twenty percent of the verdict. So before we get into some of the other issues that um, you're focused on, where we continue to need um, some uh, reform in our civil justice system, um, one of the hot topics right now is how businesses um, could be held liable uh, with COVID out there. Um, and, you know, obviously this is, I think, of concern for certainly those in the service industry, whether you're restaurants of, you know, is somebody going to come after me uh, because of a death? Um, you know, we, we've seen this where we're now able to hold, I believe, gun manufacturers for somebody else's uh, use of a right. weapon. Um, and they're stretching this to where I think there are legitimate concerns by businesses uh, under COVID that, hey, as we open up, if somebody gets sick and somebody, you know, God forbid, dies from it, uh, am I going to be held liable uh, for those things? I, I know this is an active discussion in Harrisburg right now. You're absolutely right, Matt. Businesses are, are very concerned, both small businesses and large businesses alike, nonprofit organizations, YMCAs, mm -hmm. I mean, schools, you know, schools school, yep. they are all concerned about the threat of liability, you know, in some instances being able to wipe them out when they reopen, all because someone will allege that they were exposed to COVID uh, while, say, on their premises, in their shop, in their store, whatever the case might be. So we have, um, and, and you add that on top of the devastating pressure that all of these businesses have been under right. since March, uh, you know, many of them shut down completely, uh, some only operating at and still only operating at very limited capacity uh, with, uh, you know, uh, size restrictions and, and everything like that in place. The economy is in bad shape. Pennsylvania has one of the highest unemployment rates in the country. Mm -hmm. Businesses are suffering. More and more you read about uh, different businesses, even chains going out of business mm -hmm. and shutting down. Uh, each day. So you have a severe economic problem that, you know, something, some seem to think can be caused by Washington, uh, you know, po uh, pushing more money into the system. Yeah. But what we really have is a situation where we need to get the economy up and running again. We need to do it responsibly, of course, but the economy needs to get up and running again so that our economy and our jobs in this state can recover. Well, guess what? If the threat of lawsuits are weighing down mm -hmm. uh, the operations of these businesses, if owners are afraid to open because of the threat of lawsuits, because they could be held liable for someone uh, being exposed to COVID, when they have really no way to uh, prevent that or to prevent that with 100% certainty, that inhibits uh, businesses opening, that inhibits them operating at full capacity, and that is a, a severe, severe drag on our economy and on our economic recovery so, here in Pennsylvania. So what needs to be done to say, hey, Yes, you need to be responsible, and if you are negligent, uh, held uh, liable for that. But at the same time, to prevent what might be some who pursue frivolous lawsuits right. or 
you know, accusations that can't be proven, but where, I mean, so what's the solution that you would like to see happen that uh, the legislature is currently considering? Sure. There are, there are a number of options, a number of solutions uh, out there. Basically, how I, however, we believe that we need protection from liability for health care and for businesses uh, in Pennsylvania for uh, instances where they are following guidelines, state and federal guidelines, mm-hmm. rules and procedures to protect uh, both employees and customers, for example, where they are following those guidelines, uh, they should not be held liable uh, for negligence uh, or alleged negligence in those situations uh, for the uh, the spread of COVID. Uh, so if you're a restaurant, it? you've said, hey, look, we followed all these, we, we've demonstrated our compliance, right. uh, that if you can show that, that somebody can't come after you just Com- because you got COVID uh, possibly at this location. If, they, if, they're, if they're doing everything yeah. by the book and they're making a good faith effort to comply with state and federal government uh, guidelines mm-hmm. that have been issued for the operation of their particular industry or segment of the industry, they should not be held liable. Uh, but if they are not doing that, mm-hmm. if they are acting in a grossly negligent manner, for example, uh, acting with intentionality, you know, intentional acts, mm-hmm. we're not asking for protection in those situations. We're asking for legislation to protect business and health care in the situations where, where they are doing the right thing, where they are acting responsibly, following guidelines and procedures to protect, like I said, both employees and customers. And so uh, what's the resistance to this? What, what are the arguments that the trial lawyers are making and why this hasn't landed on Governor Wolf's desk? And, and what has Governor Wolf said about this? Is he willing to sign such legislation if it reaches his desk? Well, the trial lawyers, first of all, make a ridiculous argument. They argue that without the threat of lawsuits hanging over the head of the small business owner, okay, mm-hmm. that that small business owner will act in an an absolutely irresponsible way and will only be all about maximizing profits and just not giving a darn about the consequences. Uh, That they, through their lawsuits, are the only ones who can protect the public is really (laughs) what they argue. They clearly don't know business owners because uh, all of the business owners that I know are very concerned about their employees, their their customers. That's right. I mean that, that that's just they have they have to take care yeah. if they want to continue to be in business, if they want to continue to attract customers and have loyal customers right. stay. So the trial bar makes this ridiculous argument that no one will comply with anything without you know their uh, uh, lawsuit being without a lawsuit being held over their head. But when you look at what we're actually asking for, the incentives are absolutely in place to um, cause people to take care and to comply Mm -hmm. with guidelines because you're not going to get the protection. You're not going to get liability protection if you don't follow the guidelines. If you are reckless or grossly negligent or act intentionally, you will not be protected. So the incentives, it's, a, it's, it's more yeah. of a positive incentive yeah. than it is a, you know, a hammer, if you will, uh, the hammer of a lawsuit. 
But it is a strong incentive. If you want to be protected from negligence, if you want to be uh, protected from, you know, liability, you follow yeah. follow the guidelines, and it's follow not, the rules, and and you will and you will be. And it's not to say that you won't see a lawsuit. So there, lawsuits can still happen uh, when you can demonstrate negligence or failure to comply. Any, so, anyone yeah. can file law, yeah. a lawsuit at any time. Yeah. It's it's not foolproof. It doesn't guarantee they won't see it, but it does give them protection and defense uh, in that lawsuit if they can say, "Hey, we followed the rules. We yeah. followed, did everything that was asked of us." And you know we, we took good care to, to the to the extent we could of our of our people. Uh, unfortunately, some people are still going to get uh, COVID. Sure. There's no way to prevent it 100%. So we either have a situation where we, you know, in society, uh, you know, have a a 100% prevention rate, and we stagnate and and get nothing done, or we're going to have to accept some degree. Of reasonable risk, um, you know, every human activity has a degree of reasonable risk inherent uh, in it. Mm-hmm. So I think we have to, you know, look at protecting the responsible actors. That's what we propose to do in the legislation that we're pushing. Um, and those that aren't responsible, well, they'll get sued. Yes, right, you know? right. Hey, trial bar, have at it. That- it you know, if. If they're not following, uh, you know, healthcare guidelines, uh, we're not trying to yeah, protect them. Right. Nobody's trying to protect uh, bad actors. Uh, That's exactly but, you right. You know, and and uh, part of uh, I believe that the reason we don't see some of the action here legislatively is the power of the trial bar outside of the Capitol, but in elections. Uh, you know, some of the prominent. Uh, trial lawyers uh, such as Pond Lahaki, which has offices all across Pennsylvania, but a Philadelphia-based uh, law firm that uh, is a major funder of uh, the Pennsylvania Alliance, which then gives money to Fund for Change, yes. uh, which is playing, spending millions of dollars all across Pennsylvania and targeting uh, Republican incumbents uh, that uh, haven't voted for the trial lawyers, and in fact, they're even targeting some of those who have been. I, I, I say, yes. yeah, I say that uh, you know that they will uh, rent Republicans until they can own a Democrat, and they see opportunity for ownership uh, in this election in in 2020. Um, how big of a factor do you see their political activity influencing what goes on up in the Capitol? Unfortunately, it is a huge factor. And it's starting to gain some national attention, mm-hmm. too. A uh, recent article in the Washington Examiner uh, just a few days ago uh, told this very uh, story that, that you just mentioned about uh, Action Alliance, the Fund for Change, Sam Pond of Pond Lahaki and his activities. And it told about how the, the Fund for Change, you know, while it is uh, funded by trial lawyer contributions, mm-hmm. Teachers unions and other unions have now uh, gone in big time yep. with this organization, uh, the Fund for Change. And what are they doing? They are actually targeting Republican legislators who have voted with them and have supported their issues. We saw a number of, uh, tr- of um, trial bar friendly Republican legislators lose in the last cycle. Right. Because even though they vote for the trial bar on a fairly regular basis, when it comes election time, it doesn't matter. They'll still the, the trial lawyers will still go after them 
in an attempt to flip the control of the legislature, flip the House and the Senate mm-hmm. to Democrat. We're seeing that same thing happen again this cycle, as was, like I said, recently reported in the in the Washington Examiner. So, I it is it is one of uh, uh, our frustrations that there are still members who think that well, if I vote for the trial lawyers, they'll leave me alone right. at election time. If I vote with them on their issues and on their bills or against bills that they oppose, I'll be fine in the election. Well, history shows, and it's also showing during this election cycle, that is just not the case. They are spending hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars to defeat trial bar friendly Republicans. I, you know, it's hard to explain. Yeah. It's hard. It's hard to explain. Yet um, that is that is what is happening, and legislators unfortunately have not gotten the message yet. Well, and and uh, the reason they do so is because there's a lot at stake of maintaining the status quo uh, that uh, allows for trial lawyers uh, to make exorbitant amounts of money, um, and uh, to do so that hinders our uh, business growth, our job creation growth that is going to hold Pennsylvania back and is why after this census, we're going to see a congressional seat move to Texas uh, because other states have uh, addressed uh, these civil justice reforms uh, that uh, make a a place. Not only, you know, this isn't to uh, hold people unaccountable, uh, but it's to have a balance uh, that doesn't tilt it in the favor of trial lawyers able to go after people. And frequently, uh, they're able to just say, you know what, we can make this problem go away for a far less amount by your just uh, settling rather than um, having to fight these things in court and drag them out hundreds of thousands right, of dollars. Right. Um, what, what are some of the other reforms, Kurt, that uh, you think would be important uh, for Pennsylvania to adopt that would make us a, a more uh, job-friendly, business-friendly place that we would see opportunity grow rather than uh, businesses going to more favorable business climates? There, there are a number of reforms out there. Uh, certainly what we call the innocent seller reform would be one of those. In other words, if a manufacturer of a product uh, makes a defective product, okay, and it injures someone, well, naturally, you figure you might sue the manufacturer mm-hmm. of, that, of that product. That makes sense. But what also happens is the retail store that you purchased it from that you know never touched the product, didn't open the product, didn't tamper or alter it in, in any fashion, just merely took the product and put it on their shelf and sold it to you. Well, they are sued in those... Um, type of actions also. So it's almost like a joint and several issue. Uh, well, that, it, yeah, right? That, it is. Joint and se- yeah. the, the reforms that we did to joint and several might protect them somewhat. Uh-huh. You know, they might have, you know, you know, no or an infinitesimal amount of, of fault, but they're still being sued. Mm. And just the defense of lawsuits yeah. is terribly expensive. It's expensive, you know, money-wise. It takes... Uh, time away from your business right. when you have to defend a lawsuit. Uh, there's a there's a a, a mental um, pro, you know there's a mental issue there 
uh, that, um, you know, it can be very stressful. So you have a combination of, of things that wear uh, on the business owner in that situation for something they have absolutely yeah. no responsibility for, uh, you know, for that product. So that's just one. I mean, that's just one have example. Most states, have most states adopted that type of? I mean, is this where I, Pennsylvania is? Pennsylvania, you know, always slow to come. To, yeah, Pennsylvania yeah. is is always slow to come to the realization um, of these type of reforms that are needed. And we just talked about why that is mm-hmm. because of the political because of the political uh, influence and the political force, if you will. Uh, of the uh, of the trial lawyers and their allies, like I said, they are they're they're a team out there of allies of of disparate interests, mm-hmm. but they come together uh, to sort of form a common defense. You know, when when it's the trial bar, uh, many of the unions uh, and some others, uh, they you know put up a formidable um, you know line of defense when when that happens when when we hear about uh, um, business climates that are friendly and welcoming uh, places like we we mentioned Texas before North Carolina or you know Tennessee where we're seeing uh, uh, capital flow to mm-hmm. is there a strong correlation to uh, civil justice reforms that have occurred in those states? Um, or is that just not, I mean, do you see that uh, causation? And, uh, and and I guess the other side of it is where uh, businesses are fleeing from. Right. Uh, do they have uh, the lack of these kinds of reforms? Is there a, a cause and effect here, or a correlation to Well, there, there truly is. Yeah. And all you have to do is ask businesses themselves. Yeah. Uh, The U.S. Chamber uh, does regular um, uh, polling on this issue of their business members, and so does the NFIB, the National Federation of Independent Businesses. Chamber represents mostly larger businesses, but not exclusively. Mm -hmm. There are many small businesses members of the Chamber. NFIB uh, represents exclusively small businesses, and their members will both tell you that the lawsuit climate, the civil justice climate in a state has a great bearing on whether they will uh, go into that state to do business. You know, will they set up shop there? Will they expand their operations into a particular state? So it, while it is not the only factor, certainly the businesses look at, they look at the tax situation, the regulatory uh, scheme and whatnot. Civil justice climate, legal climate, uh, the threat of lawsuits is very much on the mind of every business owner out there and very much has an impact on where they will expand, where they will provide mm-hmm. jobs. So, and, and the other area where this is quite evident is in healthcare. Um, you know, you, you look at the reforms that were made in Texas a number of years ago, and you look at the doctors who, who rushed to Texas yeah. to, to practice. They, they went there from, um, you know, states that had oppressive civil justice climates where they were constantly uh, being sued for uh, medical liability, where there were, you know, open-ended awards, where there were, you know, places we like to call judicial hell holes uh, that, you know, victimized them, Philadelphia being one of them. And they very much, um, you know, very much impacts the access to health care in those states. Mm-hmm. States that have reformed have great uh, health care systems where, you know, doctors, especially high-risk specialists, 
uh, have, have fled to that state, and they've left states like Pennsylvania and others that has, you know, one of the highest rates for malpractice insurance because of, uh, you know, all the, all the lawsuits that, that are filed and the massive verdicts in jurisdictions mm-hmm. like Philadelphia. Well, and, and I know that uh, part of that was uh, uh, something that uh, was ended, and that being venue shopping, uh, whereby uh, um, lawyers would look to have their case heard in Philadelphia because yes. they would get what, what have been called jackpot awards. Um, there's been a curbing of that practice, but I think there, correct me if I'm wrong, Kurt, there's a threat that this could come back because of where the you, you know trial lawyer friendly state Supreme Court, because they were elected by the trial lawyers, uh, may reverse some of these reforms that we've seen. Is that what's uh, a threat right now? Well, venue shopping is on the verge of making a comeback, yeah. unfortunately. Uh, we are working hard to stop that, uh, the Pennsylvania Coalition for Civil Justice Reform. But as you, as you stated, uh, it used to be up until about 2003 that if you were sued for medical liability in this state, whether you were a doctor or a hospital, uh, a nursing home, what have you, lawyers would do their utmost to bring that suit in Philadelphia. Whether or not Philadelphia had any connection <laughs> yeah. with the law, with the uh, cause of action or not, okay? You could be, you know, 30 miles, 50 miles outside of Philadelphia. You could be from the western part of the state. And if there was just some distant connection uh, business-wise with the city of Philadelphia, you better believe that's where they were going to file the case. And they did that for one reason and one reason only. And it's because of Philadelphia's reputation for outrageously high verdicts. Uh, Philadelphia had more uh, million-dollar-plus verdicts uh, for medical liability than the rest of the state combined. Hmm. They had more than the state of uh, California, oh. uh, you know, during during a period of time before the rule was reformed. Mm-hmm. And what we did in 2002, this goes all the way back to 2002, mm-hmm. this rule has been in effect, actually went into effect in 2003, but the current rule has been in effect and it has worked and it has worked well. And the current rule states that you can only be sued where the cause of action arose. In other words, where the injury occurs. So if you're a victim of medical liability and you were allegedly harmed in, let's say, Dauphin County, out here in the central part of the state, Dauphin County is where the lawsuit Mm -hmm. will be filed. No longer can they drag you halfway across the state uh, to the Philadelphia yeah. court system. You can't say because that the they, hospital system has an office in Philadelphia somewhere. Right, yeah. right. I, exactly, yeah. or a mailbox yeah. or something <laughs> like that. So we put an end to yeah. that, and the Supreme Court adopted a rule uh, in 2003 to put an, an end to forum shopping. Mm-hmm. You know, so we call forum shopping. You're looking around, if you're a plaintiff's attorney, you're looking around for the best forum possible, usually Philadelphia, not exclusively. You have other hot spots in the state mm-hmm. as well, but Philadelphia is certainly the most infamous. And you try to file the case uh, there. That's forum shopping. We put an end to that. Now the trial bar is trying to bring it back. We learned in late 2018 that there's a proposal before the Supreme Court, before its uh, rules committee, 
to go back to the old way, uh, mm. to allow venue shopping to return once again to Pennsylvania. And what's their argument, straight-faced argument of, of going back to this? They make a couple arguments. They say, well, woe is us, the poor medical liability plaintiff's attorneys, we're the only ones that uh, you know, have to follow that restrictive venue rule. Uh, other businesses, they can be sued you know, uh, in, different, in mm. different locations. Why not us? It's just not fair, mm. so they argue. Well, and my response to them has been, okay, fine. I agree we should have one venue rule, one standard for all civil cases. Let's adopt the, medical li- the current medical liability rule across the board and prevent all businesses from being the victim <laughs> of venue shopping. Uh, you know, keep the cases against, you know, all individuals yeah. uh, and businesses and health care. Keep them out of Philadelphia if they don't belong there. Of course, they don't yeah. want to hear that yeah. solution. That's not the solution <laughs> that's not that, fair they're looking, that they're for. looking for. Yeah. Right, right. So that, that's, that's, just yeah. one of, that's just one of their uh, arguments. Um, well, so, Kurt, uh, as we wrap up here, um, are you uh, bullish on the prospect uh, for uh, real civil justice reform in Pennsylvania? Uh, because it seems that we desperately need it, obviously, right now with COVID, Uh, But going forward to create a more hospitable business climate, um, are you uh, optimistic about our our chances, despite, as we talked about, the powerful political uh, um, muscle that they bring to uh, elections? Well, I'll know better uh, after November 3rd, okay? And that's that's the truth. Uh, Some of that depends on the outcome of races, especially in the state house. Um, so we'll know better what uh, the playing field will be after that. But elections aside, I'll say this. We're definitely pushing the boulder uphill, okay? There's no doubt about that. We're working against some very powerful forces. But I think the more we make the case, the Pennsylvania Coalition for Civil Justice Reform, uh, the more we show the um, the greed, if you will, of the mm-hmm. trial bar, mm-hmm. how they're you know just blatantly trying to cash in on the COVID pandemic, shamefully trying to cash in on the COVID pandemic uh, through lawyer advertising that you see, yep. through you know the threat of lawsuits, um, not you know willing to acknowledge. Uh, the fact that our, our business and healthcare, you know, have their backs up against the wall right now, uh, the economy is a wreck, and that their threat of lawsuits is only prolonging this. So the more we are able to uh, get that message out, uh, I think the bigger chance of success we are going to have. You know, one of the other reasons, and we talked about uh, reasons for the trial bar success early on, one of the main reasons that they have been so successful is that there's never been a permanent organization uh, to oppose them. What used to happen, for example, once uh, joint and several liability reform yeah. was passed that we talked about earlier, the coalition that had formed around that issue to get it passed, well, it it dissolved. Yeah. It, they everyone went their separate ways, back to their separate corners. Kind of get the chamber to, in and the NFIB, and right? The to, to, yeah. They all have. Yeah. They all look. Let's face it. Yeah. At any given time, they have numerous issues that are before the legislature. They cannot concentrate 
on civil justice, on liability issues full time, right. all the time. So they recognize the need to establish an organization that is devoted to that, that can do that. And that's why Pennsylvania Coalition for Civil Justice Reform was established. Um, and what and, year was that that you started? Uh, I started right at the end of 2016, okay. literally a couple days yeah. before Christmas, before okay. the Christmas holiday. So our first year of operation, full year, was 2017. Mm-hmm. So we're going in 2021, we'll be in our fifth year. We've made some remarkable strides. Our membership has grown. Uh, we're not only uh, you know, informing the public and the legislature, we're now involving ourselves with briefs before the Supreme Court, what we call amicus briefs mm-hmm. or friends of the court mm-hmm. uh, briefs. So we're doing everything we can to make sure that our public policy concerns are addressed in both the legislature and the court uh, right now. Whereas before this organization uh, came into existence, uh, we really didn't have that. Yeah. It was more a one-off uh, at Exactly. The time. It was a one-off and, yeah. per issue, and there was no continuity. So well, we have that now. We do. And uh, I thank you for that, Kurt, because you're taking up uh, a cause that is desperately needed in Pennsylvania uh, for our future prosperity. So uh, I wish you well in all of your endeavors and look forward to partnering with you in fighting these fights. So thanks for what you're doing there at uh, uh, the Coalition for Civil Justice Reform. And folks can uh, find out more. What's your website uh, if they want to look you up? Sure. It's P.A. for civiljustice.org. It's a long name. I apologize. P.A. for civiljustice.org. Right. P.A. for civiljustice, one run-on word, uh, .org. Mm -hmm. Well, Kurt, thanks for joining me here on Brews and Views. Thank you, Matt. Glad to be here. Thanks. been listening to Brews and Views, a production of Commonwealth Partners Chamber of Entrepreneurs. Find us on Facebook at Commonwealth Partners and follow Matt Briette at M-A-T-T-B-R-O-U-I-L-L-E-T-T-E.